dream come true for me. I remember listening to your music from a while back and I don't want to know your age, but in the world there's two type of women. There's the ones that say their age and the ones that don't. I just want to know which one you are. I'm I'm a, I'm an age, I'm an age sayer. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh I've already worked through all my issues. Uh, I, I I think I'm 46. Yeah, I think I sorted that out the other day. I was, you know, <laughs> I'm the age that I was always really surprised when middle-aged people, when I was younger, they you would ask them how old they were, and they would go, uh, and they'd have to do the math based yeah. on the year they were born. <laughs> and that happened to me. That's happened to me frequently because I don't really reference my age that much. And then uh, I had to actually like to you know do some math and figure it out. So yeah, I'm 46. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we count numbers differently. I think after you you pass 35, right? We count numbers differently or age. But so excited uh, to be chatting with you here. So um, grateful for this opportunity. And I want to start with almost like a crazy story. Just to always start with a story. I started listening to your music way back in like the 90s, you know, late 90s, uh, back when you came out with the Laid Down album. That would so have been the year ago? 2000, but yeah, that's great. 2000. <laughs> well, whenever, whenever the first one came out or whenever, that's the first one I, I've heard of. But this is the funny thing. I'm from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh -huh. I grew up there. I mean, I've been here in the U.S. for 15 years, so it... I, I don't even know what I am now. I don't even know if I should call myself American, Mexican. I'm kind of like in limbo. But um, when I was in Mexico, this is strange because my music background is so tied to whatever they would sell at the Christian bookstore uh -huh. in Mexico, right? And back then, I mean, I would listen. <laughs> I don't know how familiar you are. I'm sure you've heard of them, you know, but like Carmen, Michael oh, yeah. W. Smith, um, Yards of Clay, right? And All bands dudes. like that. Lots of dudes. <laughs> Lots of dudes. <laughs> well, there's Mar Margaret Becker. Oh, she's back awesome. In the days. She's a good friend of mine. Oh, cool. Well, I used to listen to like all of them. And I remember one time I was, I came to visit a friend in Minnesota in the US. And she's like, I can't believe you like Michael W. Smith. Like, what's <laughs> up with you? You know, that's, I mean, that's for like teenage girls or something. I oh, was just funny. a big fan. And then along came, of course, Jennifer Knapp at some point. And today I was actually um, you know, going back a little bit to your albums. And I was listening to a little more. Oh, yeah. It just brought me back because <laughs> I, I remember sitting in my house in Mexico, 17-year-old or however old I was, trying to learn that song on my guitar, a crappy old guitar. Um, Do you know how to play it? it? Was, now we're on video. I could give you a lesson. I'm just grabbing guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I thought it was only fair that I would put at least two guitars in my wall because I'm like, Jennifer has like amazing guitars in the background. Those are so cool. So I thought, why don't we start a little bit with music, you know, the background, um, how impactful it has been for you. I know, I mean, like I was saying, right, the, the, the song you wrote, I was trying to learn it. And today I was just thinking, wow, I can't believe how much you have even influenced me, maybe without you even necessarily knowing this, this little kid in, in Guadalajara, Mexico, trying to learn the song, trying to learn the lyrics, because, you know, I'm, I, my native tongue is Spanish, and then trying to grasp the meaning behind lyrics and stuff like that. And today I was thinking just like, wow, so impactful. I think you made a mark in my life. How, how has music marked you? And I would, I mean, I have a, a little bio that I'm going to read in a little <laughs> bit, but... Just, I want to hear from you before I say anything about you. How has music impacted you? Oh man, yeah, for sure. I like, I, I mean, I couldn't have told you that I would have had the life that I have. Like, I never. I'm so, so obviously, like, music's been a, a huge, huge influence in my life. Um, I started 
you know, as a little girl playing like recorders and piano and stuff like that. And uh, my claim to fame um, and actually how I seriously started to get into music. I was a trumpet player and I actually went to university as a classical trumpet player. And uh, wow. it was not until college that I started to play an acoustic guitar and I started to get involved in the church and I started to sing and songwrite. Um, and then a couple of years after that, you know, I ended up touring and doing concerts and things like that. Never would have dreamed that this is something that would have so profoundly shaped my life. Um, I didn't aspire to necessarily have a career in uh, performance. I would have never, I, I just don't think I'm, to be honest, I don't think I'm cool enough to like be a rock star. I don't have any street cred in my own mind to have accomplished the things in my career that I've done. But um, yeah, I mean, it's allowed me to see the world, meet amazing people and to just, I think more on a, like a, on a more personal level, music has been so critical to like getting to know myself, like getting, you know, just trying to get your, get my own sense of, uh, worth in the world i mean it doesn't depend on it i don't mean to make any but it's given me something to do and it's giving me something to focus on and to become passionate about and i would have just never believed that i had the ability to do things you know like to learn new things to try things to have adventures all of that is all wrapped up in music it's amazing um and not to you know to say the very very and i haven't even really mentioned like the the aspect that that's the spiritual component of that and how those went hand in hand and have gone hand in hand for, for very, a very long time. So yeah, with, if you erased music from my life, I don't know who I would be. Like it would, I mean, I've spent some time without music in my life for sure. Um, we can talk about that, I suppose, but yeah, it's, it's like the, best friend you know there, <laughs> there there's so many things that i have in my life that just you it would be a big black hole without it um because it's just that important wow that's so cool and i'm i'm gonna say a little bit about you jennifer knapp is a grammy nominated singer songwriter author speaker and advocate um, her impressive history includes selling over one million albums with her first three releases kansas laid down and the way I am. But then Jennifer Knapp walked away <laughs> from music in 2002 at the height of her career. And then after a hiatus, whatever, however you say a that, hiatus. I always, <laughs> hiatus that. You know, I like I the way you say it little, better. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can't even say it again. <laughs> um, she returned in 2010 and then uh, later on as the first major artist in Christian music world to speak openly about LGBTQ identity, her unique position created opportunities for a national dialogue, including appearances on Larry King, live TEDx stage, and then you founded the nonprofit organization Inside Out Faith. You continue to perform, uh, maybe not right now because of COVID, but across you know, nationally and advocate for LGBTQ and faith issues. And you have a master's degree in theological studies at Vanderbilt Divinity School. Wow, you make me sound so, yeah, like, like I've done stuff. <laughs> You've done stuff. It's so impressive. It's so cool. I know for a fact, because I told you I come from Guadalajara, Mexico, and I had a dream of music. Um, and, you know, I, I was in a band, like the, the dream of having a band, right? But for some reason, maybe because of all the influence I had from from American music and and really like all the Christian music I was listening to back then, DC Talk and all those bands. One day, I want to tell you this story. It's, it's almost just funny and, and a little stupid and silly. <laughs> but I ended up, I think it's called Brentwood, Tennessee. Brentwood, Is there a yes. Yeah. So there's a CD in Tennessee, and I remember bringing a recording, a CD I recorded in Mexico, knocking on the doors of a, I, I forgot the label, was a record label, uh, Forefront Rec, I can't remember, yeah, but Forefront, something like, there. Yeah, so Brentwood, Tennessee, for those who are geographically challenged, is basically a kind of like a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. And yeah. a lot of the Christian music labels are, and the offices and stuff are in Brentwood. So you went door to door 
to I went a bunch of door Christian to door labels. all the way to Brentwood and knocked Aww, on the door so only to be so cute, right? <laughs> and only to be told, hey, prob- I mean, pretty much what they told me, that's not the proper way, you know, for your music oh, to please, get to the hands of a on, producer, man. right? This What's is back the in the day. I don't even know what the proper way is. I guess now there's Instagram, there's YouTube, there's all those things that, you know, you can in a sense blow up or do whatever you want with your music right back then i knocked on the doors and you know just pretty much my dream was shattered um (laughs) i had to use music in a whole different way right (laughs) i know but i think there's i don't know i feel like hope is the only driving force into the future right so even when maybe your your highest dreams are stripped away Hope is the only thing that, at least for me, has impulsed me into maybe finding something else, right? And to me, it was a family. You know, I have a a wife and three kids, and it's phenomenal. And sometimes when I look back, I'm like, wow, maybe really if I would have made anything in music, maybe I wouldn't have had the family that I do now and have invested all the time that I have had uh, with them, right? But... um, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to that's talk so about cute. you. That's <laughs> cute. No, but that's a really vulnerable thing to do. You know, I, I, I think that's beautiful. And let me, let me just say this in response, because I, I really feel for, for creatives, people, I mean, and have a dream to share something that you really love. I mean, music mm-hmm. at, at its most fundamental, like forget about selling records, forget about being, you know, on a stage with lights. And that's, that's all well and good for your ego. But when it, when it comes to like sharing music, the thing that makes music so wonderful is that we share it. And especially when you write something or create something, I mean, I make dinner and I want people to eat it. You know what I mean? You know, like, <laughs> Oh my God, you have to see this. This is so amazing. It, it, there's an infectious joy about that, which you clearly have. But I think sometimes with our modern culture, we think that success is built on our popularity versus the experience mm-hmm. of the gifts that we have. So at the end of the day, what I ever, what I say to any musician is like, don't, don't put the cart before the horse. If people like you, they'll keep asking you to sing and that's a really great thing and it's a wonderful bonus on top of everything else. But oh my gosh, if you love what you're doing, you still got guitars, I see your pedal board, like you've got like, you know, <laughs> you're still doing, you're still creating. That's the thing that's important. And even when I wasn't playing, you know, like, when I had to decide after I'd taken a big long break, whether I was going to come back or not, like I knew in some way that people responded to the music that I have. And that's a really generous and wonderful gift to have been able to receive. But I never, even to this day, I do not assume that people will keep asking me to play. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's the only other distinction between having a career in it and just doing music because we are people made to create all of us. We're all made to create. We're all made to have adventures. It's a wonderful thing. So don't shortchange yourself and yet, you know, blush a little bit, go door to door. Like I, w- I never had the courage to do that. If it away, if my career had waited on me to ask people to give me an opportunity, I wouldn't have had one. So like, it depends on which way you look at it. Right. Like I would have, yeah. I've never said, Hey, look, give me a chance. Give me a chance because I'm a chicken. Like I do not. I do not have the courage to do stuff like that. So whenever I hear stories like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're awesome. Like, that is so cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would love to go back a little bit to to your starting. How do you, I mean, how did you see doors starting to open back in the days when you started writing music and yeah. uh, getting um, out there? Well, I actually started, I mean, obviously I got my start in Christian music. Uh, and so I was involved in a church and my... <clears throat> in my small town of Pittsburgh, Kansas. I was there as a college student. Um, Not a really big town, not a really big church, but um, when I started to get involved, my friends were saying, hey, why don't you write about the experience you're having and, you know, put it to music? Because I was playing guitar in the worship band and I sang okay, you know, but I wasn't wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be in a band or anything like that. Um, but a couple years after that, and I started playing songs and then people in my church would go, Oh, that's really cool. You should play that on Sunday. And then it went from going, you should play that on Sunday to, Oh, we heard you at tr- at that church. You should come to this church and play. And then before that, it was like, and then after that, it was like, I was going to coffee clubs and then I was traveling out of state. I mean, I'd never even been on an airplane or even been to an airport until I was doing music. And I got my first wow. gig, like 
from, I had to fly from Kansas City to Chicago and I was freaking out. I was probably 20, 20 some odd years old. And that seems preposterous to me that I hadn't even really seen much outside of my own home state, you know, in my small Kansas world. But music took me to so many places. So it was weird. Like people just kept asking me. And before I knew it, um, I had a record companies calling me because I was, wow. I was traveling around the country a fair bit. Um, at that mm -hmm. time I was probably doing like a hundred some odd concerts a year. I'd done some recordings mostly because people were like, Oh, I like that song. I want to take it home with me. Where's your CD? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I know uh, uh, you mean people record music. I know that's kind of a silly thing. I just never really imagined making records and, and doing that kind of stuff, but it really is. It's, it's not, it's not a, uh, an exaggeration to say that it was a real accident. Like people just kept asking me and just kept kind of like Scooby-Doo, just kind of like, okay, I'll just, okay, sure. <laughs> nice. And uh, that's kind of the way it's still going today. I'm, I have a lot more aspirations, I think, today. Like, I've, I'm a little bit more motivated. Like, there are things that I go, oh, I can do this now. Like, I have confidence mm. in my abilities and, and, and I have visions for what I want to do that make it a little bit more helpful. But that's 20 years. It took me 20 years of experience to feel like I can... It, it, yeah, I, for, I was probably doing music for 15 years or so until that, that was the first time I said, hey, I think I'm a creator. I think I can take ownership of this because to take ownership before that would have made me feel like I was saying that I could do something when I didn't have the confidence that I could do it. Like to say, oh, I'm a singer songwriter now seems yeah. easy because I am. I'm a singer songwriter. But even after my first career was over, to say I was a singer songwriter, I always felt like, well, like, I, it's weird. I've kind of accidentally tripped into a music career and I have one, but I don't know if I'm talented or not. I don't know if I have a gift or not. It was, it was a weird kind of thing for me to do, but yeah, I just kind of got started wow. by accident and people just kept asking me and I just foolishly keep saying yes. <laughs> wow. That's so, that's so interesting. Cause I've been I, in a similar journey. What I have discovered about myself is that, Sometimes the positive input that I get from other people, I should pay attention to that. You know, I mean, there's enough negativity and criticism going around. But really, sometimes when somebody gives you a positive feedback, you just dismiss it. You know, yeah, that's not me. Oh, no, you're a great thanks. songwriter. Thanks. Eh, <laughs> not me. Thank you. Whatever. Right. And lately, I've been learning a little bit more of like, Maybe they're right. You know, maybe when they say all these positive things about me, maybe they see something that I can't even see it. But when there's enough people kind of like telling you, uh, you know, good things about yourself, I don't know. I think it's it's a moment maybe to start paying attention and gain that what you just talked about, um, confidence, right, in what... I don't think our abilities are necessarily just to build our ego, right? Yeah, I mean, our... and it's, it's a variety of things, too, because it, I find that it takes a lot of courage for me to say something genuinely thankful. Like, if, some, if I see something that somebody else is doing and it's meaningful to me, right? It, it, it takes a, a lot of courage oftentimes for us to go up to somebody and say, hey, Like this thing that you're doing, this thing that you're, this gift that you have, whatever it is, whether it's music or, you know, I don't know, somebody, the Amazon delivery guy uh, or woman, you know, whatever it is, like somebody who's doing something that you deeply appreciate and is meaningful and impactful to your life to take the courage to not just go, you know, take it for granted, but to go, no, seriously, I look them in the eye and let them know that they've done something that's meaningful for you. That, that in and of itself is a big step. But then to receive it, like that's the other, that's the risk that somebody takes in telling you a good thing. Like, you know, Beto, you're amazing. Thank you for that song. I really love that. That's a risk I take when I say that because you could say, okay, yeah, whatever. It, that song sucked. Mm. And, and what they really want you to receive is that you've deeply, they, you've deeply touched them and you deeply have connected with them and you say that you see that as well. That's what thank you means. When you're a person who's been given a gift or is in a moment where somebody's able to give you that compliment it's so important to be able to go to and you know not to go like the, the insecurities that we have brush off mm -hmm. oftentimes somebody's saying something deeply you know 
vulnerable to you in saying thank you. So to say thank you in return, oh my gosh, thank you for your appreciation of my music. And if they ask you for more of that, to be able to say, yes, I, I would be honored. You know, I would be honored to be able to do that and show that that's a thing. And I, I think that's for me the one of the few things that's allowed me to continue to have joy about music because sometimes it does feel like a job. You know, it's like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. I need to write a song. It needs to be really good so people will like it. No, I need to, to what hit. I really want to do is is make it so we all get together and hang out and meet each other. And if that song doesn't move you, if a song doesn't move you, then I'll be like, all right, that song doesn't move you. It's not about my ego. It's just like, yeah, you're right. That song did kind of suck or something like that. But it's just like, it's it's about the way that we connect with, with each other. So whatever our gifts are, whether you know whether you're a house painter or a rock star, there, there's no one better than the other. To me, it's about just pouring your heart into something that serves not only yourself because you have something to do that makes you feel like you have purpose in the world, but also that you get to share that. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to share that with other people and to give people the space to be able to receive it. I mean, it's, it, it takes all of us to be engaged in that kind of activity. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Wow. That's so good. That's so profound. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I mean, I guess I'm on the, a little bit of the theme of me coming here and kind of connecting with you through music and through different journeys. So I, another story of mine just popped in my hand in my head not in my hand, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to I wanna share it because it's, it's somehow connected. But I came with the dream of music, right? I came to America. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be like my heroes, like, you know, Toby Mac or all these guys, right? Um, didn't necessarily happen like that. And I actually ended up working in construction here in California. And I mean, it's a long story, but one of my jobs was actually in Beverly Hills working at this humongous, like, um, like so, I haven't ever seen houses like that. House so big um, in Beverly Hills that were for actors, musicians, uh, know people in the Hollywood industry pretty much. And I mean, what you were just saying touched me because I happened to be um, a tile guy. Right? I was working as a tile guy in these amazing houses. And the house that we were working on, the neighbor to that house was Slash, the guy uh. from Guns N' Roses. And every now and then you would hear him like blasting off the stereo. Boom, listening to Coldplay and YouTube. That's awesome. Out of, <laughs> yeah, out of, of all the music he could listen to. Um, but it's so interesting because when you say you're affirming right? The, the people's talents and people's abilities. At some point, I had to recognize that. Uh, I mean, something about being right next door to probably one, what we would call a successful musician, right? And here I am on the other side of his wall, working as a construction worker, right? With my dream shattered. <laughs> But also recognizing that there was something beautiful in what I was doing, you know? And when I look back now, I think, wow, I, I really have abilities that I didn't know I had like this studio right here. You know, I did it because now I'm a DIY type of guy, you know, and I learned all these skills here in America, you know, in construction and learning how to work with wood, learning how to do all these things. And I think in a sense, it also reflects my, my artistry in a whole different way. But I wouldn't have discovered that if I didn't, if I wouldn't have stepped into that, you know, if we, if I would have been just complaining, oh, you know, I, I should have been on the other side of the wall, right, writing a hit song or writing the, the best album in the world. See, like well, I, I don't see the, I, to me, I'm like, whatever the thread is that we pull, you know, whatever journey it is that we take, there's usually a couple of things in our narratives, right, that we go, man, I probably wouldn't have been here if it hadn't been for this little turn in the road, right, or this little mm-hmm. other turn. And I'm not a big fan of, like, judging it, but being able to get to where you are and be amazed. Like, that's a real beautiful gift to be able to look backwards at your journey and go, wow, like, this journey is really amazing. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't exchange mine, even in like in the hard days, right? Like, you don't change the weird things because you couldn't script it out for yourself. 
that way. Like if, if you just, you yeah. know, if you'd have told me that I would have gone through the career that I would have gone through in the Christian music industry and told me what it would have been beforehand, I probably wouldn't have said yes. In fact, even now is even now, sometimes I'm, I'm hesitant to say yes to things because I'm just scared that I won't be able to, to measure up to everybody's expectations. Or I'm just, you know, nervous that, by saying yes to something, it'll lead to something else that I'm not sure I have the energy for, or the talent for, or the, you know, the intellect for, you know, I was scared of going to div school, for example. And like, I hadn't been to school in, you know, 15 years, but, you know, going back and I was going, you know, I'm an old lady going back to school with a bunch of young kids relatively, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. But had I not said yes to those things, you don't get the journey that you have. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I'm, I'm by the way, super jealous that you know how to lay tile because that is not to do it right, man, <laughs> to do it right. Oh, I can't do it. Like my, any, any of the times that I've ever tried to repair anything that has to do with joins and caulk or, um, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it when you put the, the tiles? What's the stuff in between the tiles? Uh, well, at the end, it's called... No, when you when you stick the tile, it's called thin set. But then the the last part in between... Yeah. Ah, I just lost it right now. Cause <laughs> I, you haven't done it I, so I, I know the word in Spanish. <laughs> lechilla, lechada. But uh, the grout. The grout, grout, yes. Yeah, like yeah. anything that has to do with grout and filling or any kind of masonry, that kind of ilk of things, <laughs> I am terrible at. It's so beautiful, wow. though. That's, that's so I, great. And that, that, to me, that's like one of the things, like, I, I actually really deeply care about this because I think, it, particularly in an American culture, and my, like my dad was a construction uh, guy growing up, so he was a carpenter, actually. And so he did a lot of, mm. you know, working with wood and constructing, you know, using lumber and nails and I got to paint with him and drywall and all this kind of stuff. And I, it took me a long time to see him as a creative person and to appreciate the skill and, and stuff that he had. And I remember growing up with him kind of thinking poorly of himself because he was a blue collar guy, you know, and that he didn't have some amazing education that he was just a, a person who worked and built things. And as I drove around my small town, I grew up in a town, called Chanute, Kansas. It's a town of about 10,000 people, not very big. And I realized all of the things that he put his hands to, like all of the things that he's built to make my city beautiful and wow. wonderful. And that's when I started like, hey, this is not cool. This is not cool that we say that, the, you know, like if you're a truck driver that you don't matter. Like, oh my gosh, you are you kidding me? Truckers are amazing. They work amazing, <laughs> incredible hours. They get stuff where it needs to go. Your life is amazing and wonderful because somebody stayed up all night driving a truck from here to there and, you know, cared about you, cared about their family enough. Like these things, I, I just, I despise like the ways and the talents and the gifts that we have and that we qualitatively measure them because, you know, somebody is a rock, you know, Cardi B looks better in that pantsuit than I do and I'm all dirty and filthy because I've been out here I don't know hoeing you know hoeing beets and picking corn or whatever I, I just I think we undervalue the variety of different ways that we can all contribute and we undervalue having passion really in what's before us and being like I've worked at, you know, fast food restaurants and I don't know, like I even learned in those places, like, man, I'm feeding my city today. Like this is kind of <laughs> cool and it's hot and sweaty and awful, but I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I'm just a big fan of just being able to go, man, what is it you do? Because tell me why that's amazing. And if you can tell me why that's amazing and I see your face light up about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like that's why it has value to me because I get to realize what a gift that is that I get to experience and share that. So that's my little soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. I, I think honestly, we're all interconnected, right? And even if we don't see it, we all depend on each other just oh, as humans. We so do. Right? We really do. And like, what can I do for you? Like, sing a song. Great. I mean, what does that really do? And I don't want to undervalue it because, I, I mean, I think we all have, we need to have those songs that we sing, right? Through the hard moments of our lives or in a busy work day. I'm not, I don't want to undervalue music and creativity in that sense at all. But it's just like, man, I have never built a bridge. Like, I, I am not the guy you want to call when there's a hole in your roof. Like, I can't, you can't put yeah. a song over that. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. 
and right now, as you mentioned, you know, building bridges, I think in a sense, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm trying to build bridges. And I know in the, in the last episode I had, I was even telling, uh, his name is Brian Sanders. I was telling him, uh, I don't think Christian podcast is like the, the clever name I would have chosen. I actually had a few other attempts to podcasting before. One was called Hell No, and <laughs> one was called Losers Win. But in terms of moving forward, and especially, I, I would say, my passion for, for Jesus, I think this made more sense to have it named, you know, Christian Podcast. And I'm curious to know about your journey of faith. And let's say 30 years ago, if we would have said Christianity, and I don't think we had the term LGBT back then, maybe just the word gay, right? If, if you gay, would have yeah. those, if we would have those words together, it was almost like an oxymoron, right? Like the, those don't go together. Can you tell me what are you discovering lately? You know, going to, do you call it div school, divinity school? Yeah. Um, what are you learning about, you know, yourself? And the church, you know, in, in, in Christianity, you know, coming from a background, you, you said you grew up in, you know, playing at churches and stuff like yeah. that. What are you learning? What is it different now from what was back then? Yeah, I, you know, I, that's such a broad question. I could go a hundred different ways. Uh, I mean, I, I think one of the things that surprises, that has surprised me most in the last, 10 years. And, and when I say the last 10 years, this is basically the part of my journey that includes my faith and my sexual orientation as being out. So I didn't, I was a late bloomer in that sense. I wasn't, I didn't realize that I was gay until I was well into my twenties. I don't know why it just sorted out that way. Um, and then once I realized that I was already, you know, a, a, a Christian at that point, a well-known, like famous for me, Christian. And like you said, at that time, I was just like, it was like oil and water. It was, it was not something that, that I was allowed to be if I was going to be considered a legitimate Christian. And, and I think what I, I've, in the distinction of that time, what I've learned in the process of coming out, especially about church, is that I had a view of church and I, I think I was raised inside of faith communities to see church as something I was supposed to live into. Like you're supposed to belong to a church and everything you do in belonging to a church means that you have to behave right. Like we have rules, almost expectations inside the church that in some sense in becoming a Christian or being a Christian, what we are trying to do is live into a standard and the, those standards are already set. And I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong, but in my experience, what I'm learning is that churches should be about our community, like coming together and that we're on a journey with one another. Like I, I'm not aspiring. I'm not inspiring to be a Christian in the sense of like, okay, I've accomplished this check off the box. Okay. I've accomplished this check off of the, the box. The thing that's altered for me, particularly after coming out is realizing that in claiming my faith and in saying, I am participating in this and I'm a willing participant and getting to know God's world. Like that's the best way that I know how to explain my faith or my spiritual experience. I don't, I even like, get nervous when I say I'm trying to be a good Christian because I don't even know what that means anymore. I really don't. And I'm almost uncomfortable saying I'm a Christian because so many people think that I'm trying to be a very particular thing rather than trying to be something. I'm trying to participate in something. I'm trying to participate in God's world. I'm trying to get to know it. It's like, it's like being able to see, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, right? It's like yeah. all of a sudden you see the world for the matrix of what it is and you now want to figure out how to live in that world. That's all I'm trying to do. And so as a, as a gay person inside of that, I think the church in the old sense to me used to be really threatening because I didn't look straight because I, I for a long time, long before I, my sexual orientation was an issue, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I am not the most feminine of women. I'm not, you know, I'm not over the edge. I'm 
pretty much, I, you know, everyone looks at me and I'm pretty sure they see a woman. But when I see, you know, girls dancing in mini skirts with, you know, size 25 waist, that ain't me. I don't <laughs> even know what it like is to be, quote unquote, whatever that kind of woman is. I don't know. But I am me. And I just like, I already struggled with being able to, to think, you know, this is, this is a person that I am. I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm trying to be me. Who am I? What does God see in me? What does God love about me? What do I not love about myself that God loves? Like, this has always been part of my spiritual journey. So the long-winded kind of rounding out of that question is, the church has changed for me because I've started to see that the church is, that, that, that's been practicing affirmation and has kind of gotten over the hump the friends of mine who have gotten over the hump of thinking that God only loves you if you're doing X, if you're doing fill in the blanks. No, God loves you, period. Like, that's it. And then from there, what we're trying to do is participate in God's world and, and, and have that journey with whatever we come with, whether you come from Guadalajara or Chanute or you're a guy, you're a girl, or it's not about who we love. It's how we love. It's, it's, it's what do we do with the lives that we have? Am I, am I living toward holiness with, with the gifts and the weird arms and legs and, the, and the, the things that I have? What am I doing with those things that's participating in peace and harmony and in movement with God's world? Um, that's the best way I know how to explain it. So the church for me, for me then has been an invitation back into that space where people who are on that journey with me, they're not, I'm not, not, I'm not getting on their railroad tracks so they can make me acceptable to them to be their friend. It's the other way around. I am in that community where we're all investing in one another together, journeying toward each other. So whatever your gifts are or whoever you are that you bring to the table, it's my moment to be able to say, hey, man, how can I help you along that journey? It's not for me to tell you what your journey should be. It's to be able to assist you when your needs arise, when your issues arise, when you say, this is what I'd like to work on. This is what I see I need to get better at if you need to get better at something, or this is where I need support. That's what our church is supposed to be. We are supposed to be building a community together, not trying to make I think that's the, the kind of the misconception sometimes we have at church is that we're supposed to build this perfect thing rather than the perfect thing is built because we continue to give our gifts and invest our gifts. We're just slowly adding into it and growing and learning our skill set because if we knew it already, we'd be it, <laughs> you know, I think. Yeah. And so coming out for me has been like a real journey into that space of realizing that, yeah, the church isn't, isn't there for me to, to have to live up to, but rather something for me to find a community that can help me um, find community and live into. It's, it's, it's not about ticking off boxes. It's about having a journey together and assisting one another along the way. Wow. That is assisting one another along the way. Ah, so beautiful. So profound. Was there ever, I mean, I've so... A while back, maybe you know, back when you, you came out, there was some sort of interview on national TV, maybe, where you're debating with a pastor, and then the pastor's kind of mad at you because like, oh, we gave you a platform, something like that. And it's, it's almost like he was feeling like you're turning your back on us. Um, and I don't want to revive any, any, you know, any old sentiments, but, but was there ever some sort of reconciliation back not to that person but back to to this idea of the church or or maybe i'm not saying reconciliation from you i'm saying from the other part was there ever somebody saying you know what we screwed up we we shouldn't have done it that way was there anything ever like that where you felt like not that you were owed an apology maybe, but really, I, I don't know. I feel like just maybe as a Christian, I would love to say sorry, you know, <laughs> sorry for the way uh, things yeah, were. I, I mean, I have a lot of people who, who have expressed that. And I've, I've, that's helpful and that's really kind. But the, the most meaningful thing is that I, I just, I have relationships, you know. I, I'm able to do what I do. I go out and I play music and sometimes, you know, whether I'm at a bar and playing a concert or I'm in a faith community, um, you know, 
usually if I'm in a church, I'm talking about LGBTQ advocacy and those kinds of things. I have a relationship with people of faith that hasn't gone anywhere. Like we've had some disagreements, you know, we've fought back and forth, we tussle, we arm wrestle from time to time. But, and, and certainly I've had people come up to me face to face, even complete strangers going, Hey man, what's happening as a whole, you know, what we see happening to you and what, you know, people are saying to you is not indicative of the faith that we all share. Like this is not Christianity doesn't, I think the idea, right, sometimes when we see something happen in the media, right, if you see Christianity as this big voice, it's not just one person, you know, it's not just one thing. There are thousands and thousands of denominations of Christians. There are millions of us who practice Christianity very familiar to one another, but we're all on an individual journey as much as we are as a whole, right? To say that Christianity on its own has offended me I used to think that for a long time, and I started to realize that was a mistake on my part, to think that some people who said terrible, awful, and do awful and terrible things speak for the whole of the church. They don't. Mm. And it's been helpful for me to meet people who have been very deliberate in saying, oh my gosh, I see this happening to you. That's the first step to empathy, right? Like, I see that. That looks painful and terrible, and you feel that. You know, I feel that. I felt that as a human being that's been extremely healing. And the more that I actually really know the person who says that to me, the the deeper that's gone right into my soul. So, yes, people have said apologies. But more importantly, I'm actually seeing that change in our daily conversations. Like, it used to feel like my world was so narrow and I was like the only gay person in the whole Christian world that had ever taken the sleep. And as I came out, which is the first risk that any of us have to do, is you have to do something on your own. And it may feel like you're the only one. But when you do that, you start to realize there are other people doing that, that the, and you get to meet other people. So not only has it been the people that have apologized and then shown that and invited me to come to places where I've had to say, okay, yeah, I'll see, I'll come and see if, I'll come to the, you know, come have dinner with me. We're not all bad. And then I go, oh God, I don't want to go to dinner with you because it's going to be bad. And then it turns out to be good. Like I take Uh. that risk, right? (laughs) To say, you know, nobody's trying to sell me anything. Somebody's just trying to be my friend and build those relationships. Those have all been really super good. Um, And I've I've been really grateful to have that opportunity. But it it wouldn't have happened if I, I didn't come out. And it wouldn't have happened if people didn't, you know, understand that I might have been a little bit hesitant or hurt and and were empathetic to my experience and just said, a lot of people just said, you know what, when and if you're ready, you don't have to be anything that you think that we have to be. We just want you to know that we love you and we really like listening to your music. And I think that was a really great way when people just started showing up to shows and we weren't having big debates. We were just having a good time, just meeting people and 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 spending time with one another. And then you know, I think 10 years on, like I'm having some really deep, meaningful conversations with our audience oftentimes, but we can, we know where each other at and they know that I'm not trying to convince them of anything and nobody's trying to convince me of other things. And people believe me, you know, in the story that I'm telling now, like the good days and bad days with and without my faith. Um, it's, but the, I mean, that's a lot to say is like, yeah, it's been important to hear that back, to hear people say, this is not cool. What's going on? And the more, you know, the more that I've heard that um, has been really great, but I see it affirmed in the actions of people. It's happening every day. There are communities out there that, in faith, you know, churches and on the street, um, that, that the encouragement um, to be who I am and the support of that as a gay person of faith has been pr- phenomenal. Um, it's not just made up, you know, it's, I can imagine in nice, nice words or whatever, but um, it's, it's long lasting because it's really gotten into my bones, like big old hugs, you know? <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, uh, where I forgot where I was going to go. Put you in the back Let of your see. seat. I have a way of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get some. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a cold cup of tea. Oh, nice. I have coffee here. It's my second one in the day. So maybe that's why my brain's not functioning right right now. But what a journey of faith. Ah, yeah, I remember. Why? Not why, but 
tell me about that journey because i mean you said like almost late in the game you started going to the uh, vanderbilt divinity school Tell me about that journey of faith, especially, I mean, I don't know why you went to divinity school. Maybe you can, you know, for sure you have some reasons and maybe you can share some of those. But I'll tell you a little story about you know, my friends, because I grew up in the church as well, right? Ever since I was little. And several of people I grew up with you know, came out as gay at some point in their lives, right? But I see them on a different journey, maybe, I'm not going to say away from God, but definitely not, maybe not seeking faith, not looking, you know, kind of like you're saying, you know, you went to divinity school, you still talk about, you know, faith issues. And uh, and, and also I've heard um, statistics that say, you know, a lot of the people that you know, came out as gay, and didn't come back to the church, came from the church. You know, they were raised in the church. They yeah. didn't find a space there to be themselves. But now, why do you think some of them are just away from faith? And maybe the question is, why did you stick right to me. faith? Well, I don't think I right. always stick. Yeah, I certainly can't speak for other people, but I, I certainly related to the, the, I certainly relate to the difficulty of, and the choice that it, it feels like to, to participate or to not to participate. And then having to negotiate or figure out or reconcile or whatever the word is on, on what that really means. Um, I, I'm probably, let me, let me just start off by saying, I'm probably surprised to come that I'm as engaged with my faith community as much as I am. Because after when I, in 2010, when I came out and that became like this national press release, I mean, you don't walk that back. I mean, it's a billboard that goes, you're gay. And no matter what I do after that, I'm branded, right? Um, but I thought I was actually a little bit excited because I thought, oh, man, this will be great. I can now like now that I'm gay, like all the Christians will not want to talk to me about anything substantial about faith anymore. And now I can keep this all to myself. Like I can have my private spiritual experience and I don't have to put it out there for anybody. And because I was content with that. Like I didn't need I didn't feel I don't personally feel alienated because I, I really do have a, a quiet and contemplative life on my own, on my own curiosities. It's, it's right now I have my own energies that I'm participating with faith, whether or not anyone's telling me to do it. Um, but I think I, I initially, I, I, what I empathize with is that the hostility from a faith community is, and so much of the narrative that we've heard about Christianity has this heterosexual bent to it that there's really, first off, there's not a lot of stories at all that, or any that I can think of that include a narrative that isn't like angling it toward like this heteronormative, like guys are guys and girls are girls. And, you know, that's just what it is. And you don't realize it because everybody talks that way. Um, you don't kind of realize that there's not a space for somebody else when they don't fit into that thing. That's one. But the the hostility that the church has shown, and because they've coupled in it, you know, if you're gay, you can't be Christian. You believe that for so long that, and it seems to match up because none of this narrative, right? None of this narrative looks like you because none of this narrative has ever been built with you in mind. It's, we've not heard LGBTQ voices inside of our faith communities for centuries. And now that we're starting to hear them, we're starting to realize, oh, you can be gay and Christian. Look, here are thousands of gay Christians <laughs> and you meet them and they have vibrant lives. And some of them are incredibly liberal. Some of them are incredibly wild. You know, there's all the same kinds of like diversity among LGBTQ people. There's not just one kind of gay Christian. There's conservative, liberal, all the way across the board. So I think the thing that I wanted to do was genuinely chuck the baby out with the bathwater. And I was pretty excited to do it. But what what I realized is that whether or not I was participating, I was still thinking in, in terms of faith. I was still thinking about spirituality. I was still curious about God, and I did that privately. And what I found was that it was pretty lonely to do that privately. Like I, 
for, there wasn't some switch. Once I realized that it was gay, there was not some switch I could turn God off with. I tried. I actually was like, oh, I don't want to hear that anymore. Like, it's, I, I don't know how to make sense of this, this jerk who's making me feel bad about myself. So I wanted to turn that off, but I couldn't because turning him off also meant turning off everything else. Um, that's all to say is that, you know, I, I really can't fully explain. It's just that I, I'm still motivated to be curious about God. And I went to div school, probably 60% of the reason why I want is because I genuinely enjoy studying about my faith. Uh, the history of Christianity is a huge one for me. Connecting with people intellectually about what, what our theologies do well, what they don't do well. Um, I like thinking about these deep, deeper issues and participating with it. And then probably the other 40% is that I am, I am now more comfortable in, in realizing that I do have something to say about my faith experience that, that still matters in terms of leadership. And that people are asking me, what has this journey been like? And I wanted to be able to know that I had done my homework, that I'm, that I'm willing to invest in this conversation and mm -hmm. that I'm willing to study and that, you know, that I learned the habits of studying my faith, not just in trying to be a sheep, but seriously diving down deep and equipping myself with the skill set to be able to, to discern, um, theology and to, you know people who are speaking of it well to be feeling like i have the the ability to be even critical of what other people are saying and to be able to back up my my school of thought right and to be able to kind of not just do it because somebody told me but because i've actually studied and done the work that means to me a lot personally what i realize i've been doing that my whole life school <laughs> was just a little more for, formal version of it but in coming back and doing that, it was just me just saying, listen, I, I know this doesn't look exactly the way that I imagined it. My spiritual life doesn't look exactly the way, like traditionally, I think that I was raised. Like, oh, Christians go to church on every Sunday. They lead Bible studies and I don't know, play with flannel graph Jesuses and, and talk about Noah and the ark. I don't really do that. It doesn't really float my boat. But um there are other ways that are participating in that. And I, my comfort level with that has increased the more that I've just been able to admit to myself that it means something to me. And I think that's in terms of like a lot of other LGBTQ people, it, that's somewhat the, the biggest bit of reconciliation. I think as I've talked to many people, a lot of us have sh shared this experience of saying, it's not that I don't want to participate in church. I'd be happy to do it. I just, I don't know how to. I don't know how to go into a space and start crafting in it and bring like bringing my authentic self into that because nobody's prepared for me to, to be influential in in my faith community. Our faith community's got its rules. It's got its ways of operating, and it hasn't made room for me anymore. Well, our communities don't change unless we bring ourselves to our communities. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but. You know, the house that you, you buy a house, when you buy a brand new house, you move into a new place, that was just a house before. And slowly but surely, your influence on that space starts to create a home. And that's what happens. And I think that's what's happening inside of our faith communities. But you, you don't get to build, a, you don't get to build that home until you start kind of moving in and nesting and participating with it. And that for me was a decision that I made to see if that proved true. And for me in my life, in my experience, that has proved true. Like, this is something that means something to me and I want to participate and I'm not going to give it up just because I'm scared. I'm not going to give it up just because there's no road paved in front of me. I'm actually going to see how far I can go while, while, while forging a trail, if that's what I got to do. Um, but what I found is that I'm not the only one doing that and that there are other people here and lo and behold, it's a community of people that are willing to do that with me. Wow. So good. I want to affirm you. Uh, not that you need my affirmation, but it's just so cool to know that maybe knowing all the criticism that you were about to receive, you still stepped into, into that journey, right? And maybe even not necessarily knowing what was ahead. And I think you have almost paved 
a road for many people. Um, you know, you are one of those like first the people that go in front of the army <laughs> and say, yeah, you no know, raises up the sword and and everybody kind of like follows behind. And the, you're the, that type the, of leader. The, so. the silliest, dumbest, no, whatever. <laughs> sometimes intrepid, sometimes fool. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Sometimes intrepid, sometimes fool. You know, the thing is, though, like, I, it's like, I sometimes think of it as like the carrot, you know, the whole carrot and the mule kind of thing. The things that we really care about, even though they're scary, we tend to chase after and kind of circling mm. back around where we started. I really genuinely love music. And what I didn't know is I genuinely love connecting to people. And what I didn't know is that music is deeply a spiritual thing to participate in. All of those things kind of bound up together. And at one time or another, any one of those things could be a little bit more carrot. Like if I'm scared what's going to happen to music, I might be encouraged because I've got a community of people behind me. Sometimes I can be scared of the community of people, but the carrot of music, like I just got a song that I want to get out there or whatever it is. I'm just, I'm really grateful because had I, had I not been so hungry to participate in my own music, at least, you know, in this part of the journey that we're talking about and coming back to music, coming back to, to, public life and being willing to face and confront the hard, not so easy road of being a, a Christian and a gay Christian in on a very public space. I'm not sure without music and my passion to be able to do that, um, that I would have found that. I'm not sure in career 1.0 what I would have told you in my Christian music career is I'm not sure I would have had music if it weren't for my faith community my faith community kept asking me for music and what's happened to me after in career 1.0 is ironically that the people who are familiar with my music were asking me to be me and I think that's that to me is like a, an amazing thing that the ebb and flow of the gifts and the things that we're participating in that something can draw us out of that place. And so if we're, we're paying attention to what's going on in our lives, sometimes the, the motivating, the deep soul motivation that's saying, say yes, like say yes to something scary, say yes to an adventure. You don't know how it ends, whatever it is. Like those are the moments where you're just like, it may, you know, it's very well maybe leading you to the place where you didn't know that you'd be able to go. And I feel like it's a real gift sometimes that it's, it's hard for me not to give God credit for that being a genuine thing. Like, it's not just, I want you to do something for me. Here's something really scary. Buck up your courage, kid, and get on with it and be obedient. It's not that way. It's like, no, no, there's an adventure in front of you. There's something amazing that's going to happen. Please say yes. I promise you, I promise you, it will be the time of your life. It will be a ride you will never forget. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm really fortunate because that's, that's the way I see it. And I'm, I'm pretty grateful to have been able to have the opportunity to do it. Awesome. I think that's the invitation for, for our listeners, right? That there's an adventure right in front of them. You said it so well. Do you play? I, at the beginning, you said you went to school for flute or trumpet. Trumpet. Did you say for trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah. Did you play the trumpet on the last record in that song? I, I forgot the name of the song, but there's a song with an amazing trumpet sound, almost like a slow oh, tempo. It, oh yeah, it's a. There's a song on a. It's uh, called Perfect Pardon, and it's yes. Yeah, it was my idea to put uh, a horn section on it, but we ended up. And I was going to play trumpet on my own record, and I ended up not doing it because the, the trombone player played out all these parts that made it just sound like this brass choir. He played like five or six tracks of trombone. And so I was like, well, pfft, you guys don't need me. Besides, I'm not, you know, my chops are not that great anymore. But occasionally I do. I've, I've been doing a Christmas tour uh, the last few years with Margaret Becker. And so oh. we've got a, a record out together called The Hymns of Christmas, and we're going to be touring it, quote unquote, online this fall. But on the record, uh, I play trumpet and I do a little trumpet solo. And then this last time, uh, the last tour, I actually pulled out trombone. So I've been playing trombone and trumpet once a year <laughs> around wow. Christmas time. It makes me sweat. Oh, my God, I'm mortified every time I do it. It's just so bizarre to play with my face, <laughs> but I, 
I, I, I'd do it just, just to prove that I can still do it. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I was listening to the album. The, I, I think it's the latest one so far on Spotify, right? The one from yeah, it's 2017. Yeah, the called Love Comes Back Around. Yes, Love Comes Back Around. There you go. Uh, highly recommend, you know, for people listening, go check it out on all the platforms. And I was listening to that. Well, when you told me about you know, the trumpet, I was like, oh, I wonder if she was the one playing the trumpet because it was just beautiful. And what is what is next in your musical career apart from, you know, the tour you're doing with or the online tour you're doing with Margaret Becker? Yeah. Uh, what can people expect? I think I was seeing on Instagram that you have like a Patreon or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, recently we've launched a Patreon. So for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's patreon is it's basically kind of like a it's, it's a supportive community it's we're actually have it's where you can sign up be a patron of our arts and basically be a part of the sustainable economy of any creator so i know like derek webb's on there uh another friend of mine uh sarah peacock tons and tons of creators tons of podcasters as well basically you know it's a way to be able to give a sustainable like monthly Uh, input into the economy of an artist. But more than that, um, for me, it's been a way to be interactive. So one of the things I do, for example, every month is I'm doing an online show. So every second Thursday of the month, I do a live concert online and it's super awesome. Like all the sound is really good. The cameras are as good as I know how to do them. Largely because right now with COVID, I mean, I, I don't get to go out and tour. So in an effort to stay connected with everybody and feel like I'm actually still getting to perform, which I really love and build up a sweat and do all that kind of stuff. I just do it online. It's super cool. But um, any of the ways that you're interested in getting connected, jennifernapp.com, K-N-A-P-P. That's the way to do it. You'll see all the records there. Everything that I've ever done, jennifernapp.com. So all the tweets, Instagram, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. Just go to jennifernapp.com. I've done my homework. I'll give you all the little links that you can go to pick your favorite little format. So good, Jennifer. Again, this is this has been a, a dream come true for me to be oh, now, so sitting sweet. across the internet. <laughs> seriously, honestly, uh, your music has impacted my life. And this is like, it's just dream come true. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Out of all the guitars in the back, are, are they different tunings? Do you like prefer one over another? Uh, there, there is a bit of a tuning situation because I have one acoustic right now that's detuned like almost two whole steps. Um, so it sounds like really awful and clangy and terrible. But for the most part, the acoustics are just um, different in terms of their sound, more... Less, less live and more with a microphone in front of them. So when I go to the studio and then, of course, right away, that guy, uh, Louise, is a hollow body acoustic or a hollow body electric. So occasionally I pulled out the electric. It's the only one I have right now. I pretty much got rid of all my electrics or they're in another country. But yeah, wow. so th they all kind of serve a little bit of a, pur a different purpose. But uh, for the most part, yeah, they're just acoustics. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I have a, a couple acoustics too. I got to get back to writing a little more because right now I feel so inspired. Would you say maybe one last thought, you know, for, for listeners, maybe even for fans of yours that will be listening and even as an advocate for LGBT, um, one last thought that you would like to share? You know, the... In, in terms of music and in terms of my faith and in terms of my sexual orientation, uh, you know, I, I'm maybe putting a bow on it. I have, in, in, in terms of creativity as well, I've, I've not been disappointed by knowing that I've sought to put my authentic heart into all my work, um, whether it's my community, you know, whether it's people, whether it's um, the way that I'm writing, um, you know, into my faith experience. Just be honest, honest about who I am and forgiving about just, you know, just taking the day that it, it, taking the day as it is and just being honest about who you are, where you are. Like, even if it's just like, oh, man, I don't give a crap about this today. Let me see if I can fuck up and find some energy or or being vulnerable and say, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I'm going to rock it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, just being authentic and just really being vulnerable enough to be able to take the risk and put yourself out there 
and, and just dive head on into it. I, I love it and I've never regretted it. Even the things that are stupid and I'm embarrassed and mortified about, I've, I know that the saving grace as I look backwards is that I've never, I've never shortchanged myself or deceived, you know, been deceptive about what's happening next or where I'm at. Just take it, you know, put your authentic self into it, put your passion into it, be passionate about what you do, be passionate about yourself, be passionate about others. And, you know, it's something that for me has, has, has been a real, I've been super grateful to be able to go, man, I'll stand by that. You know, I'll stand by my mistakes. I'll stand by my successes because I know that I did the very best that I could at that time. And that I look forward to the next adventure by just saying yes. So good. Just saying yes. I love it. Thank you, Jennifer Knapp, for an amazing advice. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you again for you know giving me this opportunity to sit across the internets um, and talking to you. This <laughs> this has been phenomenal. I appreciate you so much. And I hope you have a blessed rest of your life. Well, hopefully I get Amen. to talk to you again, but thank you very much for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review whatever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.